Hey friends, it's Nicole and Kate, your girls from across the globe, Sydney, Australia and Puerto Rico to be exact. And we're so excited to be sharing this time with you. Get ready for a candid combo with us, Nicole and Kate. Throughout this podcast, we'll be sharing our own experiences and thoughts in the hopes that you realize that one, you are not alone, and two, that open and honest combos can lead to awesome discoveries, shifts in perspectives, and energy to move ahead with confidence. Because that's what real friends do. They provide love, support, and space for one another to share without judgment, speak without hesitation, and to learn from each other, even when we don't agree. And with that, let's dive in. Ooh, Nicole, today we are talking about running a business, something that I know you and I are both uh, quite versed, well-versed in. What do you think? Are you excited for today? Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Always excited. Always. Um, so I thought we'd kick off this episode with the question, have you always considered yourself an entrepreneur? No. No, <laughs> definitely not. N-O. Uh, I know. And I, you know, I was, em- well, embarrassed is not the right word. I was probably hesitant to say that early on in the entrepreneurship days, early on in the journey, because I always felt Oh, you'd always hear people who had the lemonade stand and who, you know, those stories. I used to feel like, oh, my God, I do not have one of those stories. I don't you know, relate what I would to think that. Of when I heard those stories, I'd be like, when I was selling candy as a kid, I would buy and eat all of my own candy. That is not very <laughs> entrepreneurial at all. <laughs> so I can totally relate. Wait, why were you buying, can- selling candy? How? Like for like sports teams or like fundraisers or whatever. So it was not even my idea to begin with. It was to like support a team. But then I would end up buying all of and eating all of my own candy. (laughs) See, that's another thing that goes back to actually playing in a team sport. I didn't even have that experience of selling something for a team. I can't remember ever doing that. (laughs) Or ever needing to do that. Interesting. Even for school, like usually schools or Girl Scouts. Wasn't a part of Girl Scouts. I'm trying to think. I mean, this could be one of those times, obviously, where my memory doesn't serve me well. But I just, I don't remember being in a situation where I had to sell something as a kid in my early teens. I honestly can't Mm. remember. So, yeah. So, I hear all these stories. Here's a funny one. I don't know if you've ever heard Omar tell you this story or tell this story. He, Halloween obviously is a big thing in the States, kind of a thing now here in in Australia as well, but it wasn't when I was growing up. But, you know, the whole Halloween thing, trick-or-treating, getting all this candy, he would collect his candy because he's very good at, um, what is it, delayed gratification. So not eating all the candy, right? Uh A very entrepreneurial trait. Right, right. And then selling it back to his sisters who had already eaten all, oh. their, all their candy and knew, and he knew that they would be wanting to come back. And then he'd do these little, um, what was it, like he package deals, like, you know, three, two of the crappy candies, one really good candy for a set price. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> You've never. Heard, he's, I feel like he's told this story quite. It's quite I love funny. that he would bundle the gross candy. Yeah, yeah. Because he had to get rid of it. He had to get rid of that stock, right? 
<laughs> oh, to- you can only have the Snickers if you take the Twizzlers as well. <laughs> Whatever it was. And it was just like, Genius. oh, wow. So I hear stories like that. Um, and I think like, I don't have that experience. I, I don't, yeah. you know, so the answer is, you know, no, I, I haven't always considered myself, but now obviously that has changed. So what about you? Yeah. What was, oh, sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, to be fair, but I have a question for you. Um, I'm the same. I have not always considered myself an entrepreneur, quite the opposite. I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was until I was like 27 years old. So definitely didn't even have the opportunity to consider myself one because I didn't know that I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. And same, like I hear when I was first starting out, you know, I'd listen to these interviews and these founder stories and all this stuff. And everyone would be like, oh, yeah, I was out selling this and I would do this and I'd collect this and then I turn around for money. And and same, I was like, what? I was literally like chasing lizards in the backyard (laughs) and like making homes for bunnies. I don't know. Um Yeah. So, but I think what's so interesting is that one, both of us share that experience or I guess lack thereof in this case, whether or not we consider ourselves an entrepreneur. And now both of us find ourselves running businesses. Um, What was the shift for you? Like how, like, how did you, did you know what entrepreneurship was? And you were just like, no, that's not for me. Mm, no, like you, I and I think I admitted this. It, like learning what the concept was very, very late in life. Um, really, just as soon as I left teaching, and then I went into freelancing as a videographer. I didn't even. I, I thought there was a is a freelancer an entrepreneur, and then it's like, oh, not really. I don't know, like sort of in some ways are you if you're your own boss does that make you an entrepreneur and then I realized well no maybe you have to create something that you know didn't exist in the world um and and you know and build that thing so yeah so I kind of like my understanding of it came a bit later and I suppose I took it in stages because going through that leaving a stable job, then freelancing and trying to find your own gigs and trying to you know make your own um, money, then the next evolution of that was building you know our businesses. Um, so the so it wasn't like a you asked what is a was there a turning point? I think early on what influenced me were some of the books that. I hadn't read and this really I have to thank Omar for for this because this is another defining thing of not of um, a shift I used to only read fiction books I thought non-fiction what maybe maybe autobiographies or biographies those are probably the only non-fiction books that I'd read but when I can thought about reading my concept of reading was always reading fiction and when Omar started showing me and telling me oh you should read this book you should read I'm like they're all non-fiction some of these sound really self-helpy like I remember thinking like I don't need to read this Interesting. Yeah, I had this, yeah, very uh, skewed kind of understanding of, you know, nonfiction. (laughs) Really changed. What were some of those early books, do you remember? Yeah. The first book I read uh, was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, Mm. which is like Mm -hmm. one of the oldest. Yeah. uh, I don't know what category you'd put that in. It belongs in a category. I'm just, the words escape me. Um, And that was profound because that was a mindset book. And, mm-hmm. and that 
led that was probably the first kind of seedling into like yeah anyone can do it you that's where Mm -hmm. I understood okay mindset plays a bit I don't think I fully processed it at the time but it was definitely kind of the early so I would definitely recommend that if you do need to you know you want to change and go from maybe a nine-to-five into something for you, for yourself, whether in become an entrepreneur, I, I think those mindset books are probably the better books to start with because you have to actually start to think differently. Yeah, um, agreed. And then another book that he gave me was a book called Anyone Can Do It. And it's uh-huh. this, yeah, I don't know if you've heard of it. Anyone Can Do It. Um, it's a brother and sister, Sarah and Bobby Hashmi. They founded before Starbucks existed, before the kind of coffee chain culture existed, they founded one of the first coffee chains in the UK. And they were like, um, I read it so long ago, they were like um, corporate, one I think is a lawyer, another one was in finance. They were kind of like corporate high-flying um, individuals. I think they were, they were originally from London. I think they were in New York. Anyway, they went back and they wanted to both leave their careers and they started a coffee business that became hugely successful um and their their book is anyone can do it because they made that shift and they go through the whole process of starting a business like that so you read those two books and then had you already left teaching at that point or not yet yes i'd already left teaching this was when i was so you were freelancing mm -hmm. essentially i was doing like videography Uh work yeah which i think is quite entrepreneurial i mean i sort of I sort of think of like entrepreneurship as, I don't know, I guess I guess I could argue this, obviously, um, <laughs> but I kind of think of it as like uh, anything where you are the one who determines your success rate and revenue. Mm. And in freelancing, you do, right? It's up to mm-hmm. you to go find work. Nobody's bringing you work, per yeah. se. Like, and you're not answering to anyone else, right? You're your mm-hmm. own boss. And it's up to you how much revenue you generate based on the amount of work that you do. Oh, so okay. that's kind yeah. of how I've like thought of entrepreneurship for quite a long time. Of course, running a business is like easy to categorize that way. But when you get into like our freelancers, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. kind of think they are in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you read those books when you were freelancing and then you were like, hmm, I could actually just like start my, my own business business and build something like were you thinking that you wanted to to build something what was the transition from I'm freelancing right now but I actually want to like build my own business well I didn't I didn't go into I want to start my own business I I went into it with I was freelancing I was doing the videography stuff Omar was you know working on aside uh, on a, a consulting company and we kind of helped we're helping each other out in and and then he proposed to work together on the hundred dollar MBA mm-hmm. so that was like the first kind of like let's build something that isn't doesn't exist and let's create this together and I would and I did the videos for the for the community and 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 whatever else so that was kind of like my first experience of let's build something 
Mm. Uh, it wasn't something that I felt like I, I never had the thought process of I'm going to build something on my own, I suppose. Um, I kind of so thought about exciting. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was very exciting. You obviously had a different experience because you went off to do something and create Kate's copy and build that for yourself on your own. Ooh, good memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I was, so I went from nine to five to, to trying to start my own business called Kate's Copy. And in the midst of that, like this was 2011. So I was, I was pretty late to the game on like, well, in some ways I was late to the game on blogging, Mm -hmm. but I love to write. And I knew that I didn't, necessarily have a book in me at that point. And so I thought like, oh, well, I should start a blog too. I'm going to start my business and I'm going to offer a service, but I really want to write at the same time. And so I started a blog called A Stroll in the Port because John and I were living in the old port in Portland, Maine at the time. And we would go on walks every single day, like around the port. And I kind of just started like writing about life. (laughs) Had no idea where that was going to go, right? I was just like, oh, I guess people have blogs and they write about stuff. And I really liked writing and we took walks in the port all the time. So strollintheport.com was my first venture. Of course, I had just like recently fallen head over heels for John. So yeah, a lot of it was like, you know, I was kind of talking about... I didn't even realize it at the time, I don't think, but I guess it was more an exercise of sharing my experience from like so drastically changing my mindset and my life and so many different ways, not just moving from San Diego to Maine and what that transition was like, not knowing anybody, not having any friends there, never having lived on the East Coast before, so many changes Um, then also like John and I had barely been dating and all of a sudden we were living together. So that transition into like living with someone and being in a very serious relationship quite fast and leaving my nine to five and trying to start my own business when like a couple of months before I didn't even know what entrepreneurship was. So writing on this blog was like my way to express all of, (laughs) all of the emotions and like transition that I was going through at the time. No, that's great. You remind me of the fact that when I started freelancing, I didn't have a website, but obviously Omar being far more ahead of in, in entrepreneurship and side hustling and building businesses than I was said, oh, you need a website. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I suppose that is, and you had the foresight to go, okay, I need a blog at least. Right. I was like, I, like you, I was like, what's oh, blogging. Okay. I wasn't really familiar with the whole blogging space. Right. So he built a website for me and I remember trying to start to write some blog posts uh, and they generally were about um, a project that I had just done. They, they were I honestly think there were just three in total that I ended up writing because it didn't come naturally to me. It wasn't an easy way for me to express myself. And so I think I remember, you know, writing something, a few paragraphs, and then Omar kind of finishing them up for me <laughs> before ah. they <we> published. <laughs> but I, I just, you made me, I forgot that I had actually had a website, you know, NicoleBaldino.com. Um, and yeah, <laughs> sorry. Is it you, still up? What would happen if I went to NicoleBaldino.com? You know what? 
I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, this is fun. <laughs> I I know we own the domain, but I don't think there's anything there. It might forward. I think Omar might have had the foresight to forward it to one of our current domains now. Oh, to Webinar Ninja. Into Webinar Ninja. There you go. Yep. What's it? It's like Just the fact check. <laughs> thanks for checking by the way live yeah well I mean even as I'm talking I'm trying to remember because I also started caitlinerickson.com and katescopy.com so man I had my hands in a lot of pots which was such a huge lesson for me after Kate's copy didn't work out so well uh okay so then you and Omar decided that you were going to build a business together and eventually our stories are so parallel. I mean, we have so much in common mm-hmm. when it comes to the business side of things. Um, it's true. I know that we'll dive deeper into what it's like working with our significant other and the businesses <laughs> that we've grown um, with our significant others uh, in another episode. Uh, little, yeah, it's a little, whole other topic. Yeah, <laughs> little teaser for you guys. Um, but yeah, in parallel, so so I started Kate's Copy after six months, I felt like literally a fish out of water. I was just like flopping around. I had no idea what I was doing. I was quite frustrated. I couldn't land a client, but I was learning so many lessons about what it meant to run your own business because I realized like, oh, you really do have to like have a very clear picture of who you're going to serve. And it can't just be everyone that you want to serve and you need to have a niche and you need to have um, sales skills and networking skills and all of these things. So I learned so much during that time, but ultimately I ended up giving up Kate's copy and going back and getting a job for financial reasons. And I started working in advertising and marketing. And then uh, again, I'm, I am coming full circle to paralleling with you because when John started Entrepreneurs on Fire, when he launched the podcast, within about six months of actually it was within about three months of him launching the podcast is when we started talking about like, what would it look like for me to quit my job and join the team? And that actually like going back to in one of our recent episodes, we talked about whether or not we could ever go back to a nine to five and both of us answered no, (laughs) but I did at one point do that. You know, I had quit my job. I want to ask you about that. Yeah. Because you went back to a nine to five, you said for financial reasons, did did you there's two things I want to know from there. Did you feel like okay, I can't I can't do this. It's too scary. All those skills that you mentioned that you realize you need to have and that you you were learning and you realize there's so much to doing this thing by yourself and having a business and running a business. So that scared you and then you that's why you went to the, back to the 9 to 5 and the financial. Cuz I have a I have a story where I had a friend who basically said to me, like, I think you should get a waitressing job while I was in New York. Oh. While I was, yeah. Wow. Like, because I was just open with her to say and admitted how we were struggling and it was really hard. And, you know, finances weren't great Mm. in those early days. And she just said to me, why don't you just also, you know, don't, you know, kind of respectfully, like, don't stop what you're doing, but maybe consider, you know, getting more interesting job. And I was like, so I want to, I want to hear well, what, so why wait, you what went, did you do? Yeah. Did you get a waitressing job or were you like, no, we're going to make I, this work and it's right around the corner. 
Yeah, interesting. So I actually thought about it really long and hard. I was like, maybe she's right. Maybe, mm. you know, this, I don't know how long it's going to take for us to get on our feet and to make this thing work. And because that's where I was on the journey, it was right at the beginning, right? Leaving a nine to five, starting out on my own and it's not working. It's not going well because guess what? It doesn't happen overnight, right? And Omar, who was a little bit further ahead, realizing, well, the only way it's going to work is if you go at it with everything you've got. And what we always like to say, give it a red hot go. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. But with with everything you've got, right? And as soon as, because as soon as you take your foot off the pedal, whatever, whatever metaphor analogy you want to, you want to use, as soon as you start to divide your attention, then the, the chances of success, that was his opinion. You know, he didn't, he didn't stop me. He didn't say you, you ultimately can do what you want, but to me, it's going to work if we just give it our all and we, and we don't, we're not distracted with another job. Because then if you thought, and then I thought about it, it's true. Like I'd, I'd waitressed while I was at uni. Like I had, I had lots of waitressing jobs mm-hmm. and it's tiring. It's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> so how, and he'd had that experience of working full time as a teacher and building his business on the side. So he knew when you, you know, those part-time efforts, which I always talk about now, part-time efforts give you part-time results. Mm. That's one of my fa- the favorite things that I feel like I've, I've coined. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I coined that one. I don't think anyone else has ever said it before. <laughs> that, no, that's great. I love that. Everybody, that, so that, that's a quote you. from Nicole Baldini. <laughs> part-time efforts give you part-time results. Um, but yeah, back to you. So yeah. Okay. So thanks for calling me out. I mean, if I'm really, truly being honest, it's not, we, John and I together financially, John was much stronger financially than I was at the time because I was not very good at saving my money to be honest. Mm. Um, I had decently paying jobs And pretty much every month, like I was waiting for my paychecks to come in in order to balance everything out. Um, And I was quite embarrassed about that when I met him and at the beginning of our relationship, because I was like living for the weekend when I was in my (laughs) 20s, to be quite frank. Um, And so financially, John was very stable we were living together. He was fronting a lot for us um, to help me support me on trying to start my own business and get that going. And so I think it was a combination of, I was embarrassed that I had tried to start my own business and that it wasn't working. I didn't know where to go from there. And this is Kate still living in her victim role of Mm -hmm. I've tried everything and it's not working. And so I kind of like threw in the towel looking Mm -hmm. back because I was playing the victim role. Like Mm -hmm. I tried so hard and it didn't work. And like, I guess I'm going to go back to a nine to five, like poor me. Um, when I probably could have done a lot more and gotten a lot more uncomfortable to make something work there. At the time, it felt easier for me 
to just say, you know what, this isn't working. I had a great job offer at a job, and this is another part of it, my dream job uh, as an account executive at an advertising and marketing agency. I would be handling the agency's largest client over a million dollar advertising budget. Like it was everything that I had wanted in my jobs previously, but had never accomplished. And so all of that together was kind of like, it was way easier for me to just go get a job. It was good money. And honestly, I knew that I would learn a lot from that experience. And I also went into it knowing that I wasn't going to be there for a very long time. That you would go back? I almost looked at it. That you would go back? to that, to that I wouldn't be at that job for a very long time. So I was looking at it as a bridge to get me to either my next business, potentially back into Kate's copy at some point. Um, so I hadn't totally given up on entrepreneurship, but I knew I needed a shift. What I was doing was not working was the bottom line. So I needed to change something. And so I took that job. I learned a ton. I learned so much about branding and marketing and communication and, and all of that project management accountability. Like I have just endless lessons from that. I was working with an incredible team. I had such an awesome mentor at that job. So I I regret zero things about how I handled that scenario. And then it was after I had been at that job for a year when John asked me, um, what do you think about quitting your job and and joining me at Entrepreneurs on Fire? So the same way. (laughs) Now here we are coming back full circle to us being parallel and, um, you know, joining in on a venture to create and build something to, to build a business. What do you think would have happened to you if you didn't go for that advertising and you just kept trying? Who I would have pivoted a lot. You know, funny enough, actually, my, my main service when I started Kate's Copy was to help brick and mortar businesses bring their presence online. So I essentially wanted to help them create a website and then write the copy for that website to help get them SEO and people buying online and all this stuff. Way before my time in terms of like my actual knowledge in the e-commerce space. But, you know, I was like, I'm a good writer. I could write your copy for you. By the time I stopped pursuing that and started working for the agency, I had shifted from that service to ebook editing. Like that's how drastic a shift I had to make to start generating revenue. I started with this idea. It wasn't working. I kind of started realizing that so many people were talking about ebooks. I'm like, what is an (laughs) ebook? Like what? People are reading a book online. This doesn't make any sense. And then I'm like, ooh, I like writing. Maybe I should write an ebook. And then I was like, nope, don't write an ebook. Like, stay the course. You're providing services here. And through a, a networking group, I connected with a woman who um, was writing an ebook. And she said, Would you be able to edit my ebook for me? And I was like, huh that's a niche. Like what if my service was just offering that I would edit your ebook and get it on Kindle for you, you know, on the Amazon platform. And I got like three clients within a week. But 
that was at the time that I had already taken that other job. Mm. And so I kind of like let that I did do those three projects. So I think that if I would not have accepted that position, that I would have pivoted into ebook editing services. And that probably would have been what I'd go with to see if I could actually generate the type of revenue, because that is very much time for money, mm. right? And I am such a detail-oriented person that editing is on one hand a very good task for me, and on the other hand, the worst task mm. for me, because what I could actually charge for that versus the time that I would put into editing an ebook was not scalable yeah. <laughs> or sustainable. Yeah. So, yeah, good question. Well, I don't know. It's neither, I mean, it's, it, it's, for me, it's a fun question because it's neither here nor there, right? Like what would have happened? We can't, we don't know. We can't know. <laughs> what, right. Would it, like, I, I kind of think like, well, you still probably would have been faced with, even if you were working on the ebook e- e- editing service, John still would have approached you at that point and it still would have led you to where you are now. Right. But again, we're just guessing here and it's kind of just fun to imagine those paths. But maybe what if you were then faced with like this business is taking off and then there's a choice of like, oh, do I mm. abandon this business of mine that I'm, you know, finally I've hit my stride to jump on on, on board with John and, and build something with him. So I don't know if it's a good question. Yeah. It was just a little bit of a fun way to ponder. But yeah, where and the other thing that I think that you talked about was the the financial driver. That's a real problem, you know. The fact that you said I needed to make some money and this advertising gig was going to offer me a lot of money or you know more money than you were making. Um, that's a real problem. And that's probably why I considered mm-hmm. you know the waitressing gig because it's like, well, yeah, you need money. <laughs> Who doesn't need money to yeah. survive, right? But I think that uh, the the fact that it was like a, a very calculated and intentional um, move versus like, it wasn't like, oh, this is more comfortable. I'm just going to mm-hmm. go do that for the rest of my life. It was like, ooh, this is an opportunity for me to build a runway mm-hmm. for myself to learn a lot of stuff and then to move on. So I think that mm-hmm. that it really plays a huge role because I know a ton of people who have tried to start their own business and have gotten frustrated and have gone back to a corporate job and they're still back in that corporate job because it's comfortable and they're getting the paycheck and they have the health insurance and all of this stuff, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that because perhaps you're just not cut out to be an entrepreneur. And I think that that's okay. I mean, I think that people should, find themselves in a position that they are genuinely happy in. Mm-hmm. Keyword, asterisk, genuinely happy. Yes. <laughs> and you just said something uh-huh. that made me think of, because this question, can anyone do it? Mm. I think the answer is yes, but not everyone can do it. Oh, huh. do you believe because that anyone can do it? Yes, but not everyone can do it. Uh-huh. Because it gets to that point where you're challenged or it's hard or you realize, you know what, this is more important to me, whether it's a guaranteed paycheck, whether it's, you know, clocking off at a certain time because you value your time and those when you're not working. So therefore you realize, you know what, this isn't for me. 
Mm. Or I don't want to. I don't want to push myself. I don't want to. I, it's just not for me. So that's where I feel like, yeah, anyone. I've I've come to realize anyone can do it, which took me a long time because you've on on this road, you are plagued with doubts. You constantly question yourself. You there are missteps and mishaps and and things that go wrong, and you realize, oh my god, am I actually built for this? Can I actually do this? And more as more years pass, as I see more examples, as you hear more stories, as you talk to more people, you realize, yeah. Anyone can do it, but not everyone can because they choose not to or it's just not for them because it doesn't align with their values or what's most important to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, totally. wasn't trying to be deep there, but, you know, like... <laughs> I, I, think it's a de- I think it's a deep question. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. And I, and I, I agree with you. I do think that that anyone who wants to do it can, um, but I don't think that everyone is meant to do it. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Okay. I could talk about this for like a hundred hours and then we could go on to part two and I talk about it for another hundred. I'm curious to ask you, what would you say has been your biggest challenge when it comes to running a business? Or if you have maybe like a, a big, biggest failure or biggest misstep or. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like, it's like biggest. <laughs> I always find these questions so hard. We say, what's the biggest, um, what's the, you know, the, the best advice you can give anyone starting a business? I always, mm, I don't know why, yeah. I don't know about you, but I find those questions really, really hard because when I think about yeah. the one thing, the overarching thing, I know, I know we did that. We, we asked ourselves this when the, what episode we talked about um habits right the one over yeah oh yes the one overarching habit okay well let let's let's improvise then of the many (laughs) challenges that we face in building a business what would you say is is one of those challenges that stands out i'd say it's people Mm. managing people finding the right people that is a good one over time Mm, it's really it's hard to say it's hard to admit it's like you know am I admitting I'm a bad manager or or I don't like people no no no. it's none of that it's when you realize that you need solid people around you to to build and to run and grow a successful business then you and then things happen because people are people yeah <laughs> then you realize the people side of things is so hard and and sometimes that's when I understand like wow it would just be so easy to to oh, I don't want to you know I sound you know like it'd be easy to be in a job no because people deal with people in 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 a job you know in a nine-to-five you deal with colleagues you deal with bosses and I think that's where you can relate that people are really a big challenge. Yeah. Sometimes it's getting the best out of them. Sometimes it's realizing that you've put the wrong person in the wrong, in the role that they shouldn't be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're kind of like, oh man, it didn't work because yeah, they're not meant to do this. So this is, I've hired the wrong person. So I find people, the people side of things. I mean, we could talk about this forever, but. Oh, Can you share you. Um, how big your team is? <laughs> Are you comfortable sharing how big your team is? 
Yeah, right now we have 24, 24 teammates. Around. Oh my goodness. I ask you this because I'm just like in awe and amazed. I think that is, I, I, and I could totally understand how that's a, like you are, you're managing 24 people around the world, not like 24 people that come into an office and like, that's huge, Nicole. Oh, you make me feel better. Huge. Thanks. <laughs> I need a little pep talk this morning. <laughs> no. I just think it's like incredibly impressive. That's, yeah. And the flip side, though, is that the people you work with can also bring you the biggest joy yeah, and give you that sense of this is awesome. We're doing this together. We all need each other. And, you know, exactly. (laughs) I was going to say what's what becomes possible when you have a team like that and look at everything that you guys have built as a result, which would have been quite near impossible with just you and Omar. Like you, you needed that to build out this incredible software, the podcast that you guys run, the trainings that you have, everything. And I, and I know people who, you know, who are entrepreneurs who, who have great businesses, um, who deliberately keep their team lean, who deliberately reduce the number of people they need to bring on to execute their business and their goals and and the work that needs to be done and I in the past I was like I didn't get that because I felt like the natural evolution of a business is to grow and therefore to grow you need more people and you kind of realize that's somewhat true and not always true and and you you get smarter about hiring and you get you know smarter about the way you manage your resources um but I know that the choice to deliberately keep a team lean is can reduce a lot of the headaches that come with managing, you know, many people. Mm-hmm. What, what do you, I know that you, you know, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I'd be raising my hand for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I do think that John and I have very deliberately, uh, like it, it, like I could go back to the exact point in time where we both looked at each other and we're like, we're, creating a business we're going down a path that neither of us want like time to correct course Mm. real quick um because because we have decided to be very deliberate with keeping our team lean um because that's the type of business that we want to run yeah and it's a different type of business too right you learn that you know different types of businesses require you know different team sizes and definitely as soon as Omar and I ventured into the SaaS world because we started very much in the $100 MBA content podcasting you know training all of that that's very much driven by um, and controlled by how much content we produce and we're far more in control of that whereas as soon as you step into technology and building a product all of a sudden you realize you need more people Mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a very different type of business where, yeah, you can't limit yourself. You can keep it lean, definitely, and you can be more resourceful and you can put the right people in place and and, and all of that, but you start to realize, okay, this is a very different type of business. Yeah, Um, yeah. 
Oh my goodness. Well, I know that both of us could talk about this again for hours and hours and hours. And we do have so much more that we had wanted to discuss in this episode, but we will um, be opening up a part two. So we'll do another episode following this. It'll be part two of running a business. And we'll dive into some other questions and, and topics that we wanted to discuss. Like we just kind of reviewed some of the biggest challenges of running a business, definitely want to hit the biggest rewards because there are so many. Um, We'll talk a bit about the sacrifices um, that we've made in running a business. And we're also going to be doing an episode on working with our significant others, which we talked a bit about in today's episode as well. So wow, Nicole, I love our chats on business so much. Thank you for being just like so open and honest about your journey. I feel like these chats are inspiring and motivating and I'm just so impressed by what you and Omar have created. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. And obviously, likewise. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm okay. I know that, you know, we did have some ambition about, you know, where this, this <laughs> conversation could go. And I, and I, I suppose like, you know, talking about running a business, it's, you have to kind of start at the beginning, right? And I think we spent maybe a little bit more time of what happened, what was the beginnings of uh, leading us into our parallel universe that we're in. No, I don't think that's right. Par- not parallel. You know, <laughs> our parallel, our parallel lives. Sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely excited to keep this conversation um, going. And so yeah, part two, part two. Why not? Let's do our first part two. <laughs> Yay! All right, friends. Well, as we close out today's chat on running a business, part one. Look out for part two coming soon. We hope that you've picked up a thing or two you can carry with you today and moving forward to give you that extra boost of confidence and support when you need it most. And friends, as we shared in another episode, we have a website. If you visit canrelatepodcast.com, you can see the home for this podcast. And you can also subscribe uh, by putting in your email address. And so you'll be notified when a new episode is released and uh, we might share, you know, whatever else is going on in our world. So visit canrelatepodcast.com. We'll see you over there, friends. And until next time, here's cheers. Cheers.